Welcome to Homestead Story. We're Peter and Kristen. Join us as we share a new but old kind of family life. Hello, everyone. This is Peter and Kristen coming to you from our Maryland homestead. I think it's been about a year and a half since we podcasted last And we're also coming up on eight years of homesteading on our property here in Maryland. So we thought we would check in and talk about what worked and didn't work and how it fits into our family life or didn't. And so here we are. Yeah, today I was thinking we haven't podcasted in so long and people are probably thinking, whatever happened to that Catholic homesteading family? Did they just get overwhelmed and quit and run away and No, none disappear. of those things. None of yeah. those things. We're still here. Yeah, so this is kind of a, we're just sitting down to try out podcasting again, and yes. this is kind of a last minute. I'm like, hey, let's just, it's been eight years, because July is when we moved here. So right. like, it's been eight years. Let's just see if we can, let's pop on and see if we can. Yeah. Every once in a while we're talking and we just talk about, gosh, we really want to do another podcast, and then it's just always the last thing, you know, on the list of many responsibilities so yeah so I guess we'll talk about when it comes to homesteading just the practicals what we're doing now eight years later mm-hmm. that what, what have we continued with so I'll let you talk about the animals because you're kind of the animal guy yes I absolutely love having the cattle it's just such a great part of our family life and a great part of the property and given that we have 10 acres I need animals to be managing a lot of it for me and so they're doing that, and I have a lot I could I could say about how we're managing them differently than when we started, but I really love having the cows. Um, we also did sheep last year, which was a fun trial. We just wanted to see how it would go, so we, we got some male sheep, and uh, they, you know, they went to the butcher over the winter, but that was good. I think we'll do it again. Well, one thing to know about the sheep, we are... What are they called? The their hair sheep or something? Katahdins. Yeah, they're 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 not wool. They don't have wool. They they just have hair like a like a dog, and they they shed. Um, yeah. So someone was tell. I was talking to someone recently, and they were asking about our sheep, and they were like, "Oh, I I want sheep, but someone told me sheep just take a lot of time," and I'm like, "We don't. We didn't do anything for our sheep. <laughs> we did very little." And I'm yeah, I'm wondering, they must have been talking about like shearing wool sheep or something. I suspect, and any anim, any grazing animal, the, I feel like the, the biggest time commitment is making sure the fencing is set up. And then, of course, you need water and shade and things like that. So the infrastructure side of it, there's a lot to set up. Once that's there, they don't require almost anything. Yeah, I just loved the sheep because they were just small out on, out on the field, and they just seemed like they didn't require anything. Yeah, they they were you know, they were a little bit feral when we got them, so unfortunately they were super scared of us through most of the year. Even, you know, the kids could stand out there and give them some corn and, and eventually they would come up, but they were kind of scared. If I if we do sheep in a more long-term way, I would really be more concerned about getting really good genetics and making sure that they're they're more domesticated because I would want them to be friendly. Yeah, but, I didn't I don't really need sheep friends. I'm they good. were cute from afar. <laughs> I'm good watching them. And they were, yeah, but they were so skittish. I mean, I would. I don't mind that. <laughs> I would walk near them, and by near them, I mean like a hundred feet away, and they would just start running. running from you. <laughs> okay, well, I don't know. I didn't mind that situation, yeah. but so we did have the the two cows, uh, the sheep. Oh, the other thing to mention, since we're on cows, we have not been milking for a long time. No, we haven't done that. Um, in quite some time. We do have a heifer right now, so if we can get her pregnant, then she would give birth, and and we might do some milking again. But, yeah, with with having a baby and older children at the same time, there is just so many commitments in life right now, and and uh, milk takes some time. So Yeah, I think the milk cow was, was a fun... What, what did you, you did it for three years? I did it every morning for three years yeah, and then took a break and then she gave birth again and I I did it on and off for about a year and a half after that. I, we went over that in one of the podcasts where I would milk her several times a week but we kept the calf with her right. the whole time. So Right. Um, I think that whenever I think about having a dairy cow again, I mean we technically do have a dairy cow, she's just not in milk and when I think about that again I'm not super 
excited about that. Right. The thing that I'm most excited about is I think it's probably just the highest quality food we've ever produced. And so that's the one part of it that makes me a little bit sad is that raw milk was just so incredible and such a high quality, nutritious food. So that makes me a little sad. We don't have that. Um, but I love having the beef, the grass-fed beef that comes from our property. I feel like our kids are so spoiled. Oh, my gosh. They'll be like, hey, Dad, can we have steak for dinner? I'll be like, you know how often other kids get to eat steak? Grass-fed steak. I'm always like, wait till you guys go to college. You're just going to be... Our kids... I'm going to talk about the fruit of homesteading, which I love our kids so much. They are so cool. <laughs> but unfortunately, we have raised food snobs. They are, yeah. <laughs> I, I looked up how much the grass-fed steaks cost at... You know the nearby grocery store, just so they can see the prices on those. I was like, guys, this is what we're eating. Yeah, no, but it, you know, whatever. There's worse problems. Yeah, um, but that I feel like is super nutritious and healthy, and 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 we always have freezers full of meat, so that's just that's just wonderful. Yeah, I love the beef, and I'm not opposed to having to doing the milk again. I think it'd be better to just do it seasonally. Like, oh, we did it for nine months or a year. And then we took a break. And that's good for the cow, too, I think. I'm a believer in how we did it last time when I could milk her and get maybe two or three gallons a week. And that was enough. That was was enough. Oh, my gosh. When we first moved out here and we did the dairy cow, I was – you were bringing in – like a gallon and a half or two gallons sometimes it's milk two a gallons day. a day and I was so stressed out about the milk like what am I gonna okay I'll make yogurt okay you yeah. gotta drink your milk drink more milk like, we have this that was a lot of milk we have this really expensive refrigerator that was here when we bought the house and it has a see-through glass door to it and it was I just remember being so funny because if you walked into our house you would look at our refrigerator and just see like 10 gallons of milk in there. Yeah. It was so much. And we uh, it was just a lot to keep up with. So, Right. And I think now that we're talking about this, I think I'm a little bit like mildly traumatized because <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm just like, that was so stressful. I was so stressed out by that, all that milk. Yeah. And that was also, I had four, you know, kids under like six. So I just, it was just yeah. a lot. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It was a lot. Clearly I have like issues about Massive amounts of milk. Massive yeah, I could have told you that. I, I know. I know that you feel <laughs> okay. somewhat traumatized. Anyway, so we love the beef. I seem to be traumatized by milk, yes. and um, love the grazing animals. My theoretical goal is that I can have the eventually have sheep and cows running together. You know, in my rotational system. Right, and we pe- kept them separate last year while we were learning things. Yeah, and apparently you want friendly. You want to be friends with some sheep. Yes, I want friendly sheep <laughs> and maybe a pasture-raised pig out there with them. Oh, <laughs> be a funny yeah. little herd of multiple species. Yeah, that would be fun. Our friends, um, who we have a couple really close friends in the area that um, homestead as well, and one of them did these pasture-raised pigs, so that was cool. That was cool. I remember listening to Joel Salatin being interviewed about his cattle. I think he talks about this in his book, too, about how having the cows go through their rotational system that it was art <laughs> i just remember thinking how is rotational grazing art that just seems so silly or far-fetched to me but he's he's somewhat of a silly guy in, in his exuberant way and now i'm i've having done it you know for some years now i feel like i'm still learning so much every year just about rotational grazing and managing livestock and there is in this odd sort of way something like art about doing it and um after eight years i'm still pretty fired up about wanting to make it better and and keep you know moving forward with these meat you know systems that we have here yeah so for rotational grazing pete puts little stakes in the ground with like electric lines and then you move the cows around the pasture have you Talked to, we I talked don't even about remember it. what we had podcasted. Yeah, the last years. time we talked about it, I talked about my system where I would put them through, I think, five different pa- paddocks, and they would be in each paddock for seven days. Okay. And so that was good, but we had we had three cows on it all of last year. It started to get overgrazed, and then we couldn't get one to the butcher for two months longer than I thought it was going to happen. And so that was going into the winter and things were overgrazed and 
I realized that wasn't enough anymore. We also went down and visited Polyface Farm in Virginia, Joel Salatin's farm, and I got to see firsthand what they were doing. So I came back ready this year to take the next big leap. I talked to Joel's son, and he said, well, that's what everybody does with rotational grazing. They start with paddocks for a week. He said, and that's good, but you you really need to do better than that if you can. So now I've I've got them moving every two days, Mm -hmm. and that has been... um, just really neat to see how that affects the pasture in lots of different ways we could go into detail about that at some point anything from less flies to just their manure being spread out further and they eat a smaller section and gets less compacted and there's just all these benefits from moving them quicker right and the fight i just remember this past spring you're like kristen come out come out and see my um whatever you i don't (laughs) know my fencing situation and yeah, it's like so excited about it. I'm like wow this is <laughs> I'd spent cool. a couple months this winter dreaming about my paddock system I know <laughs> yeah I don't even remember what, but yeah that there's a funny. few people in the world who get me mm-hmm. when it comes to that but not many look at I my suppose. fencing yeah most people yeah very proud of my fencing yeah you really enjoyed that <laughs> I have to like tell people when people come over I'm like they might not they might not really care. No, most people don't Please care. Please don't feed them th- those things or that thing. There's a couple people, I'm like, maybe they'll care. And I start telling them about it and their eyes glaze over a little bit. And I'm like, oh, sorry, we could talk about something else. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we can talk about other things. Right. Um, okay, so wait, cows, sheep. Um, we also have rabbits. We've been doing that for a couple of years now, right? Yes, the rabbits has been... It has a number of benefits. Okay, so the first one is the kids just love them, and their yeah. friends love them. So they're these cute little things, especially when they're little, and kids can hold them. But the neat thing with them is we have one doe and one buck, and as long as I keep the buck separated, then they won't have more babies. So you can take it in its own cadence. You, know, you can do it a lot, or you can do it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if life gets busy, then we can just not have them together, and then we have two rabbits. Right. And if we put them together, then we have some meat. But it's neat, too, because when it comes time to process them, I can just do two at a time. We never have to put them in the freezer. We just go out there, process them, mm-hmm. um, yeah. soak them in water for a day, and you know, cook them up, and that, that becomes easier. Mm-hmm. But... Kristen doesn't like the meat. It's not as much. my favorite. It's <laughs> rather. I'm sure. Like, so I went to a restaurant and had rabbit, and it was so good. Yeah. I think that we're just not putting the time and effort into making it taste yeah, good. Yeah, we need to step up our game as far as how we've been cooking it. Yeah, we can't just put it in the oven. <laughs> yeah, they really need to be brined, and that just always doesn't happen. We've done that a few times, but yeah, we need to we need to learn how to cook the rabbit because it kind of tastes like. Yeah. It is so chewy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but I'm sure if we took the time and learned. And there's different parts on it. The liver is wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's just way more mild than a cow's liver. And they have this side meat, which is really good when you fry it up. But, yeah, some of the other cuts aren't, aren't as Yeah, I think also tasty. I like if I shred it up in Instant Pot and shred it up and then make, like, yeah. a, put buffalo sauce on it or something. Yeah. I think that's, a, I like it that way. I just don't like it when we cook it up and eat it like leather. And right. unfortunately, I will not talk about this too much on the podcast, but I think <laughs> part of the problem is yeah. I got the stomach virus from hell, essentially, yeah. right after eating it. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> it was going around in our family, and I was eating the rabbit, and I was like, please don't let this be the day that, that I get it. That was a rough stomach virus. And yeah, it was... It, it had gone around our like our group of friends, our kids, and I was yeah. like, "Please not today, because this this will not be good." Right? And Don't <laughs> worry, I I won't be graphic, but it, it was just this kind of funny memory. Looking back at at like four in the morning, I wake up and I can hear Kristen in the bathroom, <laughs> and she just has this pathetic, defeated cry that she was. Oh, oh. <laughs> I felt so bad for her, but she, she was defeated I by I was the going to die. It was. I don't know why some. I get it so like horrible. Yes, you that do. I'm like I might die. Yes, really. I felt <laughs> a little queasy for a day, and it was fine. <laughs> oh gosh, it was horrible. Okay, so yeah, we've we've got another set of rabbits that are needing to be butchered yeah. in in a couple weeks. And Hopefully, not, you'll be able to handle it. Yeah, I might. Maybe, that might be the problem. That might be. I might be. I'm like, gonna I go. Can't. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna do some really actually. Can we stop talking about it? The okay. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But they're cute. <laughs> but they are cute, and they're 
they're much nicer to process than those those meat chickens. Right. I don't want to talk too negatively about meat chickens because a lot of people love it, and God bless them. Like that's wonderful if if you're really into that. That was not our favorite thing. Um, just the animals themselves were just so. They grew so fast, and and they're they're ugly. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't our favorite thing. You're like, I don't want to talk bad about them. I know, I'm ugly. sorry, all you meat I chicken people. I think if we do meat chicken, I actually do, because I, I actually love chicken. It tastes delicious. I love chicken, so I think I would like to do meat chickens again, but find, I've heard these people that take their meat chickens to a butcher. Yeah. And that might be really a cool way to do it. Yeah, just skip that whole whole side of it. We need more butchers. We need more homesteading butchers because we don't yeah. actually like butchering animals. Yeah. That's not our thing. I wish there could be way more butchers. From what I understand, the government makes it very difficult. If there's anyone out there who's looking for yes, a career, maybe going to homesteading near butchering. our house. <laughs> yeah, I would totally. I would just like gather up all the like rabbits, take them to the butcher. That would be so great. I heard of one one person told me that they go to an Amish. Um, butcher somewhere and you do it there, but right. I don't know. Well, who knows? who knows? I need to look into it more. That kind of gets to, I think, one of the main points that I wanted to talk about today, which is when we, when we started doing this eight years ago, I would listen to a podcast or watch a video and every single thing I saw, I would get excited about. Yeah. Like, this is so awesome. And I wanted to do it all, which was great in one sense because we did so many things and then how do you really know what you like if you don't do it? Yeah, that's So we true. learned a lot of what we like, but we also learned a lot of things we didn't like. Right. And when it comes down to it, every single thing, it takes time. So you can only do so much. Yeah. And so after a while, it's like, all right, well, I know the time and the money cost that goes into this thing, do I want to do it? Mm-hmm. Because if I do it, that means I'm going to say no to something else. Right. And so that's how I feel about right now about doing, doing meat chickens is, you know, it's like, well, if I'm going to do that, then that something else has to be, has to be let down. Right. So yeah, exactly. But I don't think it's, I don't think when it comes to the dairy and when it comes to the, um, the meat chickens, I don't think that they are never again kind of things. They're just, yeah, it could be every once in a while. We but love yeah. having our little egg layer flock, and, yeah. and we've got some ducks. We like them. So. Oh my gosh! I wonder. Forget again. I'm sorry. I don't. It's funny when you podcast because you change throughout life, and I don't. It's like I don't know what I said to the internet world because I might change. You know, we change. We change our thoughts. We change our opinions. Yeah. But I don't even remember a lot of the things. Oh, did I talk about this or that? But did we talk about when our our duck went broody and came back with 12 more ducks. I think we did. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that we was did. It. Ducks are the cutest. Yeah, ducks are the cutest. Yeah. I was wandering through the things. pasture and and this duck just starts yelling at me. I'm like, what are you yelling about? And she was sitting on some eggs. And yeah, and then they all came later, back. Oh, that was so the cutest thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so we do have ducks and we really like the ducks. They're so cute and they lay these ginormous eggs. Yes. Um, the kids you really like the duck eggs. They really, I think, need some sort of pond. So I'm, I'm trying to talk Kristen into letting me build a small pond. Yeah. We, we might do that this year if I can talk her into it. Yeah. Ponds make me nervous. Just, yeah. you know, I always have tons of little children here. And yeah. Just, I don't know. It'd have yeah. to be a very, very, very safe pond. Right. We'll, t- we'll talk that up. <laughs> Not on air. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I guess, is that all of our animals? That's all the animals. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely love the beef cows. And we don't have that. The cool thing about the beef cows is we don't have that much pasture. And for right. me, like, you know, I'm not like, oh, animals are everything in this homestead. I want I want a pasture that was just for, like, sports as well. Right. So there's one pasture that I don't want the cows on. So we actually don't have that much pasture and it's amazing how you can raise two cows on the amount of pasture that we have because yeah. we have like three acres of woods we have an acre orchard it's about three and a half acres of pasture that they yeah the and then we have a lot on. of kid playing area that I just don't yeah. want cows like just and then we have to buy hay in the winter pooping all over right but, um, uh, but it is it, it actually doesn't take that much you know here in Maryland anyway it, things grow very very well here but. right right so okay I guess that's all the animals mm-hmm. and then we have the gardens the gardens which um, I'm more I'm really really passionate about the vegetable garden yeah. I just love vegetables yes <laughs> yeah I love my vegetable garden it's impressive we've been eating spinach and kale and lettuce all spring yeah and um, and now the zucchinis are coming in and yeah it won't be long before 
hopefully the tomatoes. Yeah, my tomatoes got a late start because I decided, I actually, one thing I also don't like doing, so I used to start all my seeds and I'd grow like, you know, I don't know, like probably like, who knows, 50 tomato plants or something. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't handle the mess of like grow lights and um, I don't know, watering them and having them in the house and then hardening them off. So what I started doing is just waiting till it got hot and then I would just put them outside during the um, daytime so they could just never need to be hardened off. And then I'd bring them in at night and um, they're a lot smaller than starting them in February. So, you know, when I go to Home Depot or, you know, whatever and see these huge plants, it's like, oh my gosh, mine looks so pathetic. But it's just less work and we'll get tomatoes just later in the season instead of having the earliest. I mean, they're like practically on the plants when you, if you go to like the store, but, um, you know, it does take a little longer, but I'll still get them. Right. And um, so, yeah, I've got. Every question we we have to ask, how can we make this simpler and and take less time because Chris and I are also the type of people where we're like, yes, we need 25 tomato plants. And then they're all, you know, bearing tomatoes. We're like, why did we do this? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy for us to overdo things just in excitement. And so, so it's, yeah, we're we're always trying to, to, to say, how can we scale this back to a normal amount? Right. And I learned even in gardening, the things that I like and don't like. So I'm okay just eating something while we have it. I don't need to spend a lot of, like I used to just make all this tomato sauce mm. and, um, and freeze it. I'd like freeze a hundred packs of tomato sauce. Yeah. And then I just kind of realized like, um, I'm okay to see tomatoes when we eat tomatoes. I don't need to have tomatoes all year round. Right. And again, maybe someday, but maybe like right. when I'm old and my children like leave the house, I'll become the grandmother that just has tomato sauce, but I don't need that in this season of my life. I like things that store really easily. So like I still have, it is July. I still have butternut squashes Mm -hmm. storing in my cabinet from last summer. So I like things that just store that easily and eat that, um, you know, through the winter. Um, so let's see, I'm not a big conserver. So that's the thing. I think when we were starting out homesteading, I had this idea in my head that we were, we were going to get to somewhere like producing 90% of our own food. And I don't know why I put that pressure on myself, but it's not realistic right now with all of the things that we do. We can produce all of our own beef. We can produce, there's always something coming out of the garden. Right. Pretty much year round. Right. But yeah, let's, let's eat blueberries for. Yes for a month heavy right. and then they're gone and right. move on to the next thing whatever whatever's being produced yeah that's the cool thing like this year our fruit I think our fruit got set back a year with those um, cicadas it did the cicadas really beat up the orchard it was at the absolute worst time to get hit by 17 year cicadas <laughs> I know that was it so was terrible. depressing yeah. we talked about that I think we did um, but it, it survived right. <laughs> it survived a whole bunch of the trees got fire blight I'm convinced it's because they were I mean you look at the branches and they're just sliced up and down from yeah. these cicadas but you know we, we, we cut that out and they're pushing through and now it's been two years since that happened last year the fruit trees didn't produce almost at all the berry bushes didn't produce and so they had a year off while they were just recovering mm-hmm. from being damaged horribly mm-hmm. and so this year it's just loaded yeah, it's, it is amazing and we're just i mean i've got five boys so we're just eating so it's yeah. neat because when was it may the mm-hmm. cherries came in and my kids were bringing in gallons and gallons of cherries so we yeah. just ate cherries until you literally are just sick of cherries and you yeah. don't want any more then the blueberries came well we in. have yeah then then the the blueberries and the honeyberries and the gooseberries yes. came in and then we still we're still going to have blueberries for a couple of weeks yeah, and the plums are starting to come in right but we're getting like sick of blueberries and again i don't we just we eat them so much we don't really need to be preserving them because i feel like there will all through the year there will be something that you just eat a lot of so we are eating all the berries now the plums are coming in so we'll eat a lot of plums right. sick of plums right whatever the fresh food is let that be seasonal the kids are going to have to freeze their peaches because the kids all have a yeah. peach we somehow for some reason gave all the kids a peach tree and then they all wanted one some extra peach I guess I trees say no <laughs> how many peach trees do you think we have we have probably eight peach trees oh my gosh and one of them produced 753 years ago yeah they're covered. so this year i don't i think that maybe we kind of let go of the pressure of selling things because, again, like we just, 
Pete actually has a full-time job and I am homeschooling and I manage all these kids and we have a life. So we used to think we would sell stuff, but that's just a lot more work. So we don't sell things, but I think I might have the boys just start selling their peaches if they want to or giving them away, whatever. But we have a lot of peaches. We have a roadside peach stand this year. (laughs) Yeah. The kids can manage it all. (laughs) Right. I'm not doing it. So let's see. Peaches, um, apples, pears, chestnuts, hazelnuts, pawpaws. What else? All that is just doing really, really well. Yeah, Asian pears. Um, What are those little things, the hazelnuts? Did I say that? Yeah, hazelnuts. Um, Oh, the thing that didn't work for us in the garden was... um, (laughs) It was too big. (laughs) We put in, like, so many strawberries. So many strawberries. Yes. Okay, I had this companion planting idea that was amazing in my head and was actually really amazing for a couple of years, which was strawberries and then um, asparagus and the strawberries together. And so we were like, of course we need like 50 asparagus plants and mm-hmm. a thousand strawberry plants. So this entire area was sp- uh, strawberries and asparagus. And it worked for a couple of years when I had put the deep mulch in because it just, the deep mulch initially really suppress the weeds um, and we love the asparagus and I, I really missed that this year but oh my gosh we couldn't keep up with it the weeds started coming in and because the strawberries are these you know small plants that grow in pretty full you have to just hand weed and try mm-hmm. and find all the weeds and then some crabgrasses get in and it was just it was a nightmare there was another viney thing that got mixed in with the strawberry and it yes. just so we were like okay we cannot we cannot keep weeding these strawberries. So we did We did rip out the strawberries. We did. We pulled that part out. It mm-hmm. just wasn't worth it. What I found was, so I had a half-acre garden. I mean, our gardens are half-acre, fully at least. And I was at the point where I was not enjoying it because it was too much maintenance. I was just, I was constantly trying to keep it from being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was just like, this is, this is, last year I got frustrated. I was like, I can't. I'm not enjoying this, and I'm, I want to enjoy it. I want, I want it to produce food, but I also want it to be a life-giving thing in my life, and it was not life-giving. Um, so that was the first step, was removing the strawberry patch, because that was by far the hardest thing to maintain in the whole mm-hmm. garden. And then we just decided this is just too much square footage. <laughs> it's, just, it's just too much. Um, so this year we pulled it back about 25%, and, and we'll pull it back another 10 15% next year. And I think... Given how it's going this year and, and the, the level of maintenance that requires, I think that's probably about the right spot. Right. I think neither of us mind weeding. It's kind of a really relaxing, good chore to do. Right. But there is a there is a point where it's too much weeding, and it's overwhelming to weed an area and then see so much more. So I think we brought it back to a level. It's still huge. It's still what? Yeah. How big do you think it is? Well, it's back to a level that... here. And here's part of the important thing is if you keep wood chips on top they will suppress a lot of the weeds but I have to have it a size that I can legitimately do that that I can add new wood chips to it every few years and so that was that was part of it too just less square footage means less truckloads of wood chips I like putting on I don't know five ten truckloads a year like that's really good exercise for me I enjoy doing that especially if I can do it through the winter um but beyond that it just becomes overwhelming so right so I think we're at a manageable what how big do you think it is now yeah, it was at a, it was a half acre before. It's probably down to, you know, we're, we'll probably get it down to about a quarter of an acre, maybe a third of an acre. That'll mm-hmm. be that'll be the final spot for it. Right. Um, and that that's plenty of room. Honestly, that's plenty of room to produce more food than we can possibly eat. Right. And that was also part of it. Is why do I have this much square footage? If I'm not trying to sell it commercially, which I'm not, I have a full time job already. Yeah. I'm trying to do this to feed my family. And then, you know, if we have extra to let that be, you know, an abundance for others in some form. But why? This is just so much. It's so much square footage. Right. And when when you have the more area you have, the less detailed you can be about that area. And so I'm looking at this. I'm like, I could produce just as much in half the area. Yeah. So that's that's where we're moving towards. Right. Right. And if I could go back and start it all over again, I just would have started with a smaller garden. Yeah. It's still <laughs> it's still the biggest garden of any person I know. 
How? That, was, that sounded like you were bragging. No, I mean, it just... That, it, I still have the biggest garden. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Not, not bragging. I'm just saying it's like, this you, is it's unreasonable. Still, it's still unreasonably large. Our garden yes. is still ridiculous. Yes, yes. it is. Yes. <laughs> right. Sorry. Anyway. There you have it. Um, yeah, it's still un- unreasonable, but yeah, I feel like... With, with trees, it's hard because it takes about seven years to get fruit. So you can't just say, oh, I love these trees. I'll plant these ones because you have to plant them and wait seven years to know. So, right. See how they respond. Well, yeah. yeah, at least here on our property, the, the soil that we were starting with, I think, was a little challenging to begin with. Yeah, it was like clay kind of stuff. At our old house, we, ha- we were getting apples two years after planting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting that out here, and it just took a lot longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, but holy cow, the soil is beautiful now. Right. All those wood chips broke down, the worms, right. you know, brought it into the ground. It's just this beautiful black. I try and put up a, a, a ladder. Uh, a lot of the trees I can trim without a ladder, but there's a few spots I still need it. And I, <laughs> I try and climb up on the ladder, and the ladder just sinks into the ground. Oh, it's a little wow. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That's how soft the ground is. Yeah. Um, Oh, the other thing, I remember when I first started, when we first started homesteading and podcasting, I wanted to have this, I got a book, and the books always make things look amazing, like, they make homesteads look so great, <laughs> um, but there was one, it was, somebody had this beautiful yeah, no, herb How garden. come none of the book people take a picture of the garden when there's weeds everywhere? I know, like, the late yeah, July here's my weeds. weed garden, <laughs> yeah, no, but, um, there was somebody had this like amazing herb garden with every different type of herbs and then they were making all these like tinctures and they're making all these mm-hmm. I don't know medicinal things and I just thought that was so cool and I was going to do that yeah and then she probably also spent eight hours a day in her garden yeah so I planted this huge herb garden in the backyard I planted like and I did everything from seed and I did just hundreds and hundreds of herbs but again everything looked cool really cool for the first couple of years but then it just became unmanageable to weed them and harvest them. And then yes. I realized I need about like maybe like six or seven herb plants and we're fine with that. And I can yes. do everything I need with that. Right. I do like cilantro, basil, dill, fennel, um, chives, uh, oregano. Oregano. And you only need one or a couple. You just need a couple plants of each. You don't need to have everything. So yeah, that, those, I got rid of a lot of those. We have one fennel plant and it's yeah. more than we could possibly right. eat. Oh, and so. I have the anise is everywhere. That just plants itself all the time so yeah. I have a lot of it the anise or what, anise whatever you call that right, right. Um, so the oh and the echinacea I guess I still have a good amount but I don't I don't have a huge herb garden right I don't know well what you I had you wanted to have these dedicated thinking. herb gardens and now it's it's just really obvious we can have some creeping thyme in our garden it's, oh. a, it's a beautiful plant and it can just be one plant and it grows there and it's in the garden we don't have to have a separate garden oh I have hyssop in there I've got yeah I, I guess I well look at me I thought I didn't have herbs anymore wait Wait, creeping thyme, hyssop. Oh, what's that? Mountain mint. Oh, mountain mint. Um, yeah. Look at me. Look at you. I guess I do have a lot of herbs still. You should. You should continue to call yourself an herbalist. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if there's anything else I'm forgetting. It doesn't matter. But anyway, I don't. I don't need. They're just kind of randomly throughout the orchard. Right. It's not this. And when you have like a ton of something, the weeds grow all in that. If you have one, it's just a lot easier to keep it clean. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's really true. And there's nothing that you can plant that doesn't require maintenance. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm willing to say that. Somebody out there probably planted something that requires no maintenance, so good for you. But I've never planted anything. I've planted a lot of things that require zero maintenance. So the question is, can you plant it in a way and grow it in a way that it requires the least amount of maintenance? Mm-hmm. And then also, just, is that something you really want? Mm-hmm. Is it something you really want to take care of? And if it is, you know, if it's worth it, if it, if it right. brings you know you joy or produces enough, then great. But this idea that we could just endlessly plant things and they would magically, right. you know, take care of themselves—that right. wasn't really very true. But it's a neat learning. Experience. There's nothing wrong with because you don't also want to live in fear. Oh, should I plant this? Oh, is it going to be too much work? You don't want to live in that kind of fear, especially if you're planting things from seed. It costs you like a cent or something. Yeah. I mean, it's okay to try something and then say, this didn't work. One thing that Pete and I realized in homesteading that we, we said we were never going to live with a bad decision just because we, you know, did it. Yeah. I mean, 
I don't know. I'm not saying that applies to everything in life, but just when it comes to like gardening, mm. we're not going to say like, oh, we have to just keep this garden because we we put it in. Yeah, we're okay being like we're gonna like I took out my big backyard herb gardens. I put them in the orchard. Right. I'm not just going to live with it and kill myself over it just yeah. because I put you know work into it before. Yeah. If it does, if it's not working out, it's okay. Yeah, I think it was Paul Wheaton. I'm pretty sure it was him. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Who I remember hearing him say this that he sees so many people give up on homesteading after eight years Mm -hmm. or they want to become this amazing permaculture person. They get their permaculture design course and they, you know, have this property and they go crazy on it. And then eight years later, they're, they're done. Like I'm not doing any of this. And I think it is actually wisdom to know that there's plenty of people that do homesteading and then they quit because at the end of the day, whatever these things are that we're doing, they have to be making our life better. They have to be integrated into our life. It just can't be toil right. for something that was exciting once and then the excitement wears off and now what's left. Right. Once the excitement wears off, is it something that's actually making your life better in some way? And that has to work for us. So the things that we're still doing, they have to work for Kristen and I on our time. They have to be something that provides value in some way. They have to fit with our family life. And so there's a number of things that we let go. Um, But after eight years, we're thoroughly enjoying the things that are left that we actually really like. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not like in a covenant with your garden. Yeah. You're not in a marriage (laughs) where you have to like, let me stick out. Well, I mean, yes, you stick out the heart. Like right now it's in a hard season of... I don't know where I'm going with this marriage analogy with gardening. I wasn't talking about marriage. (laughs) We're not quitting that. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying. That's different. I'm saying like, it's okay to say this is too much. I'm going to get rid of this. Yes. It's okay to say that when it comes to your garden. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You're good at, you're really good at that too. You're, you're being like, Peter, this obviously isn't working. (laughs) No, but, but I just want to force it through for a while. And you're like, no, let's. Sometimes that's important. Like I, I had this one like garden that was, it was these beautiful black eyed Susans and echinacea. And when I was getting rid of all my um, herbs, I was like, oh, maybe I should just get rid of this too. And then I was like, no, I'm going to just keep this one. I'm going to just have a couple days where I just weed it and knock it out. Mm. And now I'm always so thankful that I kept that one. So it is, you know, I don't know, just takes consideration of what, you know, what each person kind of wants, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and then I think just to, just to focus on the things that bring joy too. Yeah. That's such a big, that's such a big part of it, of it being a long-term effort Right, is, is to let it be a joyful thing. Right. So. Right. And then the other neat thing with homesteading, I mean, well, I just do want to say just the kind of the fruit of homesteading in our lives. Mm. I mean, I wake up every morning and I look at our gardens, I look at the cows and I'm just, it, it just has not gotten old. I'm still so thankful Mm-hmm. Like we had like you know this whole conversation. We had to tweak it and let certain things go. But where we are now, yeah. And we could have slowly built to this. Yeah. We just qu- we did everything and then got to this. Yeah. But I, but that's just how we are. We have to try it. Yeah. Um, but I'm just so thankful. It hasn't gotten like old. I just I yeah. love it. I love going out in the garden and harvesting food. The kids. I mean, they wake up and they just run out to the garden still and get right. get their food. Right. And modern life, we've said this in our early episodes, and it is 100% true, but modern life has become so abstracted. It's about technology and getting your boxed food from a store that came from somewhere that you have no idea where it came mm-hmm. from. And, it, you know, most of what we buy is, you know, globalized around the country. I mean, life became so abstracted away from what is real homesteading is a way to get back to that yeah. a way to be close to nature and and the peace that comes from that and just being a part of it and I love that I yeah. really love it, it yeah. it's bringing balance to what otherwise be, becomes just this you know modern life which which becomes disconnected in too many ways right right yeah and the thing that I've loved so I I think God just really, you know, he just really knew what our family needed. So when we were looking at properties and farms, you know, the whole story probably from like our first podcast, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to be out in the country. And we found this farm, this 10 acre farm that's really in a neighborhood, a really nice neighborhood. And I just 
that what made me a little nervous. I was, and for the first couple of years, there was always this little part of me that was kind of like, oh, I kind of wish I was so like deep in the country. I don't mm-hmm. know. There was something like really I romanticized about that. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, we have a teenager now, and one thing that I'm just so thankful for, like God knew how extroverted I am, mm-hmm. and you know, some of my kids are, and we live in this neighborhood where we couldn't see the future, but we have all these like-minded friends that ended up moving to the neighborhood. Some of them, we knew they were coming. Others, we met them when they moved here. Um, but we just have people here all the time. Our kids are always playing with kids that are, they're being raised in just a similar manner. And our kids are outside playing sports and playing games all the time. They're not, you know, using their, they're not, they don't have phones or anything like that. And I'm just so thankful. And I realize as much as I love homesteading and, I mean, I just, I I love this life. Yeah. I think I like people more. I'm right. just so extroverted. So I think God knew that I might go a little crazy if I was off by myself in yeah. the country. And I just love this, um, this neighborhood, old-fashioned neighborhood feel where the kids just have similar values and just play outside yeah. all day. Yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll restate it maybe slightly different. But when we were in a younger point in our family, we were already so isolated because we were you're just taking care of toddlers and babies and life becomes very isolated. And then the second thing is when you start listening to a lot of homesteading or permaculture, natural living type things, you, there is a certain element which is both good and bad of real independence. It's like, I want to be free from all of these systems. We can just do it on our own. And certainly I wanted to break free from certain systems. But the idea that you can do everything on your own is not a good idea. We are meant to be in community. So we probably didn't realize back then just how much that would be a necessary thing for us. To be in community with like-minded people, which means, you know, our kids are around kids who have, you know, similar moral expectations in their family. Mm -hmm. And that is has become way more important in our life than we would have realized back then. So if if you're out there getting started and, you know, you just really want to get away from everybody and you have kids, I mean, once they start getting older, community is so important. Oh, I know. No, I'm just laughing because my best friend and I had, um, you know, a bunch of kids at the same time. And I'm like, do you remember back when any time we had to go to the doctor or the dentist or you know, something we'd be taking each other's kids and we'd have like, you know, seven kids under like five. I'm like, who, how did we do that? How did we do that? And, um, you know, now it's just, just so it's not chaotic. It's just fun having all these kids over all the time and them playing sports and all that. And it's just fun. I love it. I love it. I love all the life. Um, and, and the neat thing about the way that we homestead you know, I feel like anytime you hear people talk about homestead or see pictures of it, you see these people like, Toiling their life away, and I just hear a lot of people talk about the work. Oh, we, and we've talked about this. Anytime mm. you talk about homesteading, people are like, "Oh, that's a lot of work." I mean, yeah. that's just the, the common conversation you hear people having. Yeah. And um, I go out and I weed in the morning, and then I go to the pool like everybody else in the afternoon. I go to the neighborhood pool. I, I just don't feel like this is an all-encompassing takeover my life sort of work it's a really enjoyable type of work and maybe that's the way that we do it um but yeah but i don't feel like oh i'm so overburdened by work and i can hardly move at the end of the day right (laughs) because i've been toiling yeah it's 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 the right amount of work Mm -hmm. i mean we we were out in the garden with the kids today Mm -hmm. and they were helping us do some stuff and it's we've talked about that idea before but that you know put the work in in the morning and then Uh we're gonna have fun later in the day yeah um but it is it's not it's not overwhelming. I always tell my kids that. I'm like, you can't have fun all the time. We work in the morning, every morning. Because yeah, right now, we're, we're finished with school for the summer. So there's an expectation that they just get to have fun all day. But mm. I'm like, we work in the morning, and then we have so much fun in the afternoon. Right. And it's really cool because they're work, getting... Work, leisure. Yeah. They, they're getting to this age, though, where I told them each... I said, all four of you, you know, go out, do 20 minutes of weeding. And that's like an hour of weeding that you get (laughs) really and I'm like I come down and it's just knocked out like they really work hard and they knocked it out and I'm like I mean 20 minutes 20 minutes and we knocked out that garden it was awesome it was awesome um so yeah it's it's good it's healthy it's good to move your body into Mm -hmm. it's just I don't know I feel like 
there are times when you're like, this is an unhealthy amount of work. And that was the strawberry patch. It was like, we yeah. cannot maintain these strawberries. Yeah. And part of me feels like maybe if you're going to have a homestead where you want to make like, a, what would you call that? The, like when you're selling everything, a, like market, a garden market garden or anything as a commercial enterprise yeah. is completely different. Well, I think for those, you probably want employees like to there's help a, you. There's a million ways to do it. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, Okay, no, peace. Let me stop talking about it. Anyway, we don't have employees, so there's only so much that we can do. Yeah, I, I listen to some of the market gardening podcasts like, just because stop. it's fun for me. But oh my gosh, those guys! Uh, or maybe that is your, that. Okay, sorry, I, I won't talk about this because I don't know. But that would be your full time job. Yes, yeah. And you have to work, so you yes, can't. I have to work. I have but that would be job. cool if you worked full time in the garden. Yes, you would love that. Yes. And there's some amazing people out there, Curtis Stone and a whole bunch yeah. of them that are, are just extraordinary at that. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if we could live off that. I'm not sure. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, stop talking about this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't enough. know what I'm That's talking enough. about. <laughs> All, All right. I'm saying is I don't have employees and you're working a full-time job and I have a toddler. So, so it has there's to only be so balanced much in that I can do. Exactly. And balance my toddler is, is just, he's, he's awesome. I just love him. Yes. Um, but he definitely gave us run for our money when he was a baby and we were up all night long. Oh my word. I don't know how we pulled through, but we did. Real quick though. I, so early in the episode, I said I would talk about the fruit of homesteading. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of fruit that comes out of homesteading, like (laughs) fruit, vegetables, actual fruit, herbs, you know, nuts, whatever, meat, all that. But for me, I mean, that's important. I love health and I love healthy food, but like I've said this, already like the people the heart that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. to me and you know the fruit that I've seen in my children Mm. is just so um, powerful now that I have a and I know it's hard because in life you know I say I started podcasting when my oldest was I think literally six yeah and now I'm like oh I'm a seasoned parent with a teenager but there are parents (laughs) that have like you know 50 year olds whatever All I'm saying is, I really, so far, even though we're young, a young family, I I really enjoy the fruit of what I've seen in my children. And I was talking to my 10-year-old, and I was like, hey, we're podcasting. By the way, just a side note, if you've heard a lot of background noise in this, we're not a professional podcast. If you've heard a lot of background noise, (laughs) we're not. We don't have a TV in the background. That's literally our kids' talking and making noise the entire time. We thought they were far away, but they're... Well, this microphone's very powerful, (laughs) and we started listening to this podcast, and we were like, oh, this is really loud, but... Yeah, it is what it is. Whatever. Um, But I was talking to my 10-year-old, and I was like, hey, you know, because he wanted to be around us while we were podcasting, and I said, what do you feel like the fruit of homesteading is in your life? And he's like, oh, Mom, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. Hmm. And I feel like even though he was the only one that was here, present, I feel like I could say that about all my kids. Yeah. There was a beauty in in healthy amount of work, obviously not overdoing it, but in a healthy amount of work, prayer, leisure. And I feel like my kids are super um, enjoyable. I enjoy being around them. Yes. I... I have to ask them to do the chores, but they do them joyfully and they do, I don't, they don't just do them on their own. I still have to ask them. I'm like, can you, let's go eat the garden. You know, I ask them, but they do it joyfully. They're strong. They're, um, they're good. They're They're kind. They're kind. Yeah. Um, and I like being around them. You like being around them. Yeah. (laughs) Um, they're happy. Yeah. And I think that's a fruit of, of, of homesteading and homeschooling and, and of course, like the grace of God. Yeah, there was a, a, a big part of wanting to maybe, while they're younger, I don't want them to be super sheltered, but I wanted them to be sheltered when they were younger, mm-hmm. when, when they're growing up and there's a crazy chaotic world out there and it's, you know, we, we can have them here and they can be with us and they can be close to nature and we can have a wonderful community surrounding us and it, yeah, it... Can I share the elf thing? Because that's really powerful for me. I do. I love okay. your elf analogy. I have this whole analogy from the elves. of Wait, wait, wait. wait. Go ahead. All right. You do it. You have to understand the conversation. <laughs> so these men, my, my son was, these men came um, to work 
on our farm as as a gift. And um, they were telling my son this, well, it's like a famous quote. It's a famous quote. I don't know where and it comes fine. from. it's fine. It's good. It's you, a good quote. You might quote. know. It's a good quote, know. but it says that hard times make good men. Good men make easy times. Easy times make bad men. And no, it repeats. No, no. Isn't it bad? Bad men. Weak men. Weak, weak men. men. Say it again. Men. It's weak yeah, men. Yeah, all right. So Say it again. Hard times make good men. Good men make easy times. Easy times make weak men. And the cycle repeats. Right. And you can look at history and you can see that there is a certain amount of that that is true. Right. When times are decadent, in general, people become weak. And then when things are too weak, times become hard again because there's no one there to really defend. Right. But, but, okay, it's a, it's a fine quote. It's good, whatever. Yeah. But my son, my 13-year-old, he's, like, <laughs> really into Lord of the Rings. And he was like, Mom, like, but in, in Lord of the Rings good times make good elves. And our family, one of our jokes, we have friend, we have like friends who are like hobbits and we always say like, our friends are hobbits and we're like elves. <laughs> and he's like, good times make good elves. And that just like struck me yeah. because I was like, I'm claiming that. That is my quote. Yes. Good times make good elves. Right. And I, I want to raise my kids. And of course, like our family has had our fair share of suffering as every family will. That's not, you're not immune to that. But I want to do my part to give my kids good times, good times of being in the garden, good times of being on the farm, good times of, you know, being in nature. Right. And surrounded by good people, surrounded by stability and protected, mm -hmm. surrounded by music, surrounded by life, surrounded by animals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I do believe that good times can make good elves. I love it. All right, so we actually have a bunch more things to talk about, but we're gonna we're gonna save it for next time and, and maybe try and get another podcast out there in less than a year and a half. Yeah, I feel like last time though we were like we're gonna do this more often. Yeah, and then we we'll didn't. see we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody have a great summer and yeah. happy Fourth of July. All right, bye bye. bye.